This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. It's now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to the Official Concept Podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. We're interviewing Jamie Andrews. Welcome. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Alan? Having a beautiful day so far, and it's just going to only get better from now. So, how have you oh, been? Oh, I love that attitude. <laughs> how have you been? How's, how's everything going? Oh, it's it's been just a really great, exciting time of life. I've kind of put off doing all these things I dreamt about for years and years, and now it's all coming out, and I'm just riding that wave. <laughs> so the first question I'd like to ask you is, dive mm-hmm. into the heart of your memoir, The Brink. What sparked the courageous to visit your tumultuous past? And what revelations do you hope readers unearth from your journey of redemption? Uh, well, uh, The Brink really came out of me like an exorcism. <laughs> I wrote it back. Uh, do you remember the book Million Little Pieces by James Frey? Um, it, no. It was Please. a big deal over here because it was sort of his addiction memoir, but it turned out he had lied about a lot of the stuff in there. So it really inspired me because I knew I had a crazy story to tell even without embellishing it. But my book is really more of a not what not to do than a guide to living better. Uh, I'm actually working on the second book now because things get really bad for me in the brink, but they actually got worse in the second book. So the lessons don't come till later. I've been, you know, learning is a lifelong journey and and, uh, it's taken a while for everything to click, but it's really exciting that it has. Unearth the secrets behind the brink. After two decades, why do you choose to share the roar and potent tales of your troubled youth? What transformative messages are you eager for the readers to glean into your odyssey? Uh, well, back when I wrote it, I had this interest from a fancy agent, but I wanted to publish it anonymously because I was afraid that it was so scandalous it could impact my acting career. Uh, So now at this point, I don't have anything to hide. And I thought if it could help people, especially young people that are struggling, it's worth any embarrassment that I might feel about this stuff being made public. I want people to know they can always turn their lives around no matter how bad things may seem, you know? Well, that's very true because let's say that um, if you're going to be calling somebody out, there can be legal repercussions as well because it's like it's under hearsay. Right. Well, I did change all the names. I hear there's a group from my high school that's getting together and trying to just decode it and see who's who. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So when you were first creating the book, what was the main inspiration behind it, this? Like, was it just from one day you just you began and just felt like that you needed to create this pathway and just bring it all out? Yes, that that was it. Exactly. I had just moved to Los Angeles and I was very broke and I didn't know anyone. And so my social life was going back to my room and just typing this out. And like I said, it was an, it was an exorcism. It really flowed out of me very quickly. Um, I think it needed to come out and, you know, I could wonder what would happen if it had been published back then, but I've, I've had a great life, so I can't, I have to believe that everything's happened the way it's supposed to. Definitely. Um, you know, I believe that everything in life is meant for lessons. And I, I believe that we're all kindred spirits and we're on a path to just increase the opportunity to learn more. I absolutely agree with you. We are, in fact, kindred spirits in that respect. <laughs>
So what was the tipping point for this? Like, what was the, the main thing that happened on that particular day when you chose to go on to this journey? Well, I had tried starting to write it several times. Um, and I had like 30 pages here, 30 pages there. Um, and I think I was just so bored and broke that I'm like, just keep going. Just just write it. Uh, don't question it. Because I think that had been my problem in the past is I always worried about it being good enough or was I saying it the right way? And so this time in particular, I just sat down and said, write without judgment. And of course, it's been edited since then. But I was really shocked with I mean, the overall product the first time through was, was really solid and I'm really proud of it. I think it tells a disturbing story in an entertaining way. <laughs> when your uh, publication was wanting to put your name attached to it, when you wanted to become anonymous, were you more on the side of like scrapping the whole idea or, may, or just that reignited even more and just being like, you know, I'm just going to get it all out there straight away? No, I mean, it, it's frustrating because I don't know if it was an ego thing or whatever. And I did do a lot of commercials. Would the girl in this book have sold a lot of products if I was tied to this book, like if it had been successful? I can't say. So I, I as I said before, I, I think it, it happened the way it's supposed to. I, I did kind of just scrap it. I didn't look for anyone else who might want to publish anonymously. I just took her word for it because, you know, she was she's a very fancy agent now. Um, I tried to get back in touch with her and say, you can put my name on it now. <laughs> but, uh, but she, she reps like Michelle Obama. So I don't think uh, she's going to take my calls. <laughs> oh, damn. Mastermind behind Division. You wore multiple hats. How did the alchemy of being lead actress, screen, scriptwriter, and producer shape the film success? And what thrilling challenges did this creative juggling act present? Uh, Alan, honestly, I didn't know if I could pull it off, <laughs> but I was lucky to have a, a very collaborative, experienced director in Jason Lynn. And I think my passion and drive to make it happen really helped shape it into a film that is it's almost exactly like I envisioned it could be. And the juggling came very natural to me. Uh, I can't wait for the next one. I've, I've really never felt so alive as while well. I was handling, you know, almost every aspect of that film. Um, it was it was a very exciting, gratifying time. It's quite interesting because when people are at their most stressed, mm. that's usually like highlights of the year. <laughs> and not not I don't mean stresses in the drama, but when stress is an opportunity to delve into a form of success and to grow, it's like when you achieve that milestone, you just look back and you're like, I was able to do it. And not only mm -hmm. do it, but crush it. And, you know, whenever people say to me, you know, this year's gone so fast or, you know, weeks are just like coming into days, I just say make things way harder than what they should be. And I don't mean, you know, causing issues. Yes. But if you if you go to the gym, put yourself on a very restrictive diet and work out times two. Or if you're into writing or creativity, make like learn something and, and put more complexities into it because when you make things more difficult time really does slow down i can't believe you even said that alan because i agree 100 percent. when i think that i made this movie two years ago we were just finishing it up that is astounding to me these are the longest two years of my life <laughs> yeah. they say time is relative right 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the the more you do in your day, the longer it will feel. <laughs> yeah, and that, it's it's so great because like you know when people come to me and they say, "How do you do so much, uh, Alan?" I just say, "I just cram as much in." <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I just do loads of stuff. Yeah, uh, like it's coming on yeah, to the I end think... of the year, and people are like, um, "Oh, you know, I can't believe that it's been a year already." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> It's been like three years. Yeah. Feels like there's been three years within that year. Yeah. How's this year felt for you? Also very long. It's like I was at a film festival only six, seven months ago. That that feels at least three years ago. And done a lot of traveling. I I think I think Alan that you found the secret to life is (laughs) accomplishing (laughs) as much as you can. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's actually a pretty interesting topic as well. It's like, what is the meaning of life? And, you know, sometimes people, you know, we have, when I was younger, people would talk about it, my friends and all that stuff. You know, what do you think the meaning of life is? And I think that there's two different things. I think that the first one of the meaning of life is solely reproduction. You know, it's oh. like you're, you're supposed to, as a, you know, being, as, as somebody who's alive, you're, you're supposed to reproduce, you know, as, as many lives as you can. But I don't think that's the right question to ask. It's, what's the point of living? And I think that the true beauty of living is positivity, creativity, and longevity of either friendships or people coming closer together. And, you know, it's, it's like, that's what I believe in. I think that the more that I create positivity around the people that I'm with, the better my life is going to be. And to be honest... It's like, I've been doing this for the past 10 years, living that way, and nothing's been, it's been great. (laughs) I have no issues. (laughs) That's so funny, because I absolutely agree with you on the second half of the meaning of life, but I have fallen down on the first half. I am one of the many people choosing to be childish, childless in this day and age. Um, So I'm I'm glad I've got the production, if not the reproduction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, division delves into the minefield of opposing political views. How did you navigate the explosive landscape of this timely theme? And what insights do you think the film brings to today's polarizing society? You know, I, I was very surprised to hear that I give a balanced portrayal of both sides we've got going on here in America, because in real life, I'm not as sympathetic. I hope that by showing both sides equally, division can appeal to a wider audience and maybe change some hearts and minds along the way. Uh, Division definitely brings home the fact that we need to do more listening to each other and that we have let our polarization come to an untenable place. Uh, I I hope it impacts people that way. The thesis of it is that everyone needs to vote, really, Um, but hopefully to put more thought into voting going forward to seeing what we have at stake here. Uh, one of the interesting things, because I'm based in Australia. I'm Australian. Oh, cool. And over here, it's like the culture is just so vastly different from, um, you know, like if people start talking about politics, we're like, huh? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's it's very, it's just a very different type of like vibe over here, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I've always kind of gotten the sense that you guys have it figured out down there. Oh, no, we don't have it figured out. <laughs> Not at all. Well, we certainly don't over here. This is <laughs> this is funny, though. I was just, we were just on a cruise with Hugh Sheridan. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's my name dropping in Australia. <laughs> hey, hey, that's he, a- 
Yeah, we met him. He was so lovely. Yeah, what what did you guys get up to over there? Uh, it was a Greek cruise. Woo. Yeah, it was. It was my cousin worked for Virgin Voyages, and so for the last three years, we've gotten a free cruise through him. It's really <laughs> lucky. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's improved our quality of life several fold. <laughs> Damn, that is that's pretty good. Yeah, he'd stop working there though, so the party's oh. over. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> Basking in the glow of your best actress win in the Lady Filmmakers Festival for Division, how has the accolade ignited the flames in your career? And what tantalizing projects does it fuel for the future? Oh gosh, I was so honored by that award. We we actually won four awards at that festival, and it totally blew my mind. Um, firstly, I've never carried a film before, and and also because it's a really personal role. You know, they say you can't play yourself, but it doesn't get much closer than than Andy James to Jamie Andrews. Uh, but it's definitely given me more confidence, and I think I've carried that onto more recent jobs. Like I was just on Chicago Fire and Heels and. Accomplishing something like that gives you a new sense of self. It, it, you can't help it. And so you really need that to go on to the stressful environment of a set. But I, I hope that it also gives confidence to casting directors to, <laughs> so that they know I can handle a role of that magnitude, that bring it on. <laughs> when you were getting the award, how were the emotions? Well, it's funny. They said to me that I've been, when they announced the award, they're like, she's been crying all week. So get ready for what she's going to do now. Because literally, they like one of the people running the festival, I walked up, they're like, you're Jamie Andrews. I love your film. I think it's really important. And I started crying. I was, I was just so emotional all week. I, uh, it was me bringing the film home to Los Angeles, where I lived for 13 years. So, so many people I love came out to see it. Um, and it was just incredibly validating to to win awards. I mean, you know, it's not what you do it for, but boy, it's astounding to get that kind of recognition when you know how many festivals there are and how many people are submitting to them and how many great films there are in the festival. Like, I was I was really blown away, Alan, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I find it quite interesting when when achievements like this come to fruition where, you know, it's like when you're in the process of doing it, it, it just looks like that there's no end. It's like when you're starting, it just looks like such a, a mountain to overcome. And then when you're in it, there's so much stress. There's so many, you know, opportunities to quit or fail or just say, this is enough. But when you keep at it and then you look up into the bright lights and then you're actually given an award with this, that feeling would have been amazing. I tell you, you nailed it on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, I keep saying that was the best week of my life because there were times I did want to give up there were times when you doubt that is this even any good but I watched it like I'm so tough on myself and I watched it and I'm like no I I really like this and I enjoy watching it so if I do I assume other people will too I think you're doing a great job (laughs) thanks Alan yeah but but, you know it's it's just like it's one of those crazy things and like let's say that because I I have a lot of really successful friends as well but the unreal thing is the more successful people are they're usually just really nice down-to-earth people that are just kind of feeling like this is normal to me (laughs) you know it's like doesn't everyone do this type of stuff (laughs) and so when you're in it you know it's just like you know and then everyone says you know you're doing such an amazing job which you are 
when you're in it, it just feels like normality. And so when you look around and people are praising what you're doing, it's, it just takes a couple of seconds just to really understand that what you really are doing is a great job. I, I think that's very true. It's, it's interesting to synthesize, uh, especially coming from, you know, very humble beginnings. I think that's why people can let it get to their heads or become, you know, self-inured. Uh, but if you really want to accomplish something, you have to be exactly as you said. You have to keep a level head. You have to treat it like it's normal. Um, you can't succumb to the, what is what would be the right word? You can't succumb to the, to the feeling that, that you're better than or yeah. that you're doing something amazing because, you know, you're just doing what you have to do. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing as well is that ego weighs down the soul, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like if you're egotistical and if you're feeling like you're better than anyone, then you'll, you, you'll never be able to do your actual best work because <laughs> you just be like doing normal stuff and then you'll be like, oh, my stuff's already caught anyway, so, you know? Yes. So. <laughs> yes, and you're watching yourself do it. Then yeah. Look at how great I am. Yeah, yeah. Steering the ship at the Daniel Baldwin Show podcast alongside Daniel Baldwin. How do you seamlessly blend your role as actor, producer, and podcast host with sizzling topics set your podcast ablaze with engaging discussions? It, it's so funny. I've only been doing this job for about a month, and he does not, Daniel does not shy away from controversial topics. So there's a lot of hot buttons we're pushing every week, and, and I kind of think of myself as the Robin to his Howard Stern. Like, I'm there to try and guide him into focus, but pinning him down is like trying to catch a fly with chopsticks, and I'm not Mr. Miyagi, you know? <laughs> but no, we also have great guests on, and we talk about our lives and our families. Uh, we were both on World's Dumbest together, and, and actually, we grew up on Long Island together. He was in the town next door to me. Uh, so we have a lot of things in common. We have a really good rapport. Uh, but it, it's, it's been really fun adventure so far. From the pulsating theater scene in New York to the glitz of Los Angeles, spill the secrets of your journey. How did the cross-country leap shape your career? And what powers of wisdom did you gather from these two dynamic worlds? Well, let's see if I have, have any pearls. Hopefully they're not just polished rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I grew up in New York, uh, and I don't think it was ever really suited for me. It's very frenetic. Um, so L.A. was definitely more my speed, but I, I got to do a lot of great work in New York, uh, but it felt like I'd gone as far as I could. I definitely got the sense that New York casting directors are very into master's degrees, and that wasn't my path. Uh, but Los Angeles is more of a meritocracy, so I was able to have a fantastic career there and fell in with a great theater community that became like my family. And, but ultimately, I, I think the stereotypes of both cities have some basis in fact. So I'm really happy to be, I'm actually in Atlanta now, and moving there has really been what inspired me to follow through on my passions. Uh, if you watch Division, it's absolutely the launching point for that movie. And I don't know, there's, there's a relaxation that isn't in New York or Los Angeles. And there's an excitement around the industry here because it's new here that's really been really healthy for me. And I love the green. LA and New York don't have green, and it's very verdant here. What was green? Green, like it's it's just there's a lot of trees. Oh, oh yeah, they said green, like. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> no, I always say that. You know how they say the grass. The grass is always greener. It yeah. really is here because yeah. there's because there's actual grass. Yeah. Have, have you ever been to Australia? Oh no, that's on my bucket list, Alan. Come, come, you definitely should come. Oh, because, I um, if you if you ever do, uh, there's this place called the Gold Coast, and that's where I am. Yeah. And this place here is great. It's like a, it's like a town on the beach, and mm. we have like high rises over here. And then on the other side, there's just full on nature. So if you like hiking or any nature walks or anything like that, there's loads of them. It's really nice. Oh, I would love to. I have some friends in Brisbane. I'd love to visit and. Uh, geez, no, it sounds amazing there. My cousin just went, um, but it's definitely on the list. Yeah, I, I don't fly. I don't fly so well. So oh. I'm a little. Da- I'm a little daunted by the twenty hours there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely VIP to get over here. You definitely really want it. Not <laughs> <laughs> like oh, two hours. Yeah, two hours is easy. Yeah, two hours is not so bad. Unleash the magic of Jaimation, your production haven. How does it empower you to bring your passion projects to life? And what tantalizing ventures can we expect from this creative powerhouse? Oh, well, I, I hope Jamation can be considered a creative powerhouse at some point. As of, as of now, it's really more of an umbrella corporation for the work I'm trying to put out there. Uh, I have a screenplay based on my book, The Brain, and a true crime script called Hardcore that I'm, I'm really so excited about right now. Uh, but I'd love to do other people's work too. Uh, but now I, I've got this graphic novel based on a play I wrote that won the Hollywood Fringe Festival Award uh, a few years back. And I have a couple of series ideas. So I'm really excited about what I could produce with the right partners. It's just finding the partners, Alan. <laughs> knocking on the right doors. I'm, I keep on knocking. I keep on knocking. That's all we can do, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. If you put energy into the right places, eventually it's going to budge. <laughs> you know? That's what I figure. And if it doesn't, well, I, I had fun doing it. <laughs> Armed with your quill for backstage and New Thinking magazine, what golden nugget of advice do you toss to rising stars navigating the, the labyrinth of showbiz? Spill the secrets of your seasoned insight. Uh, well, I wrote advice for actors and backstage, but in New Thinking, I wrote advice for the general public. Uh, Ultimately, though, I honestly think the central tenets are the same for both. Listen more than you talk. Try not to complain too much. Let things roll off your back as much as possible. Uh, I have this idea that my husband hates, which is to cultivate softness. I, I think we'd all do well to meet the world with less defensiveness, like even in little things like driving. So many people get so angry on the road. Get over it. Let the person merge in front of you. That is cultivating softness. You know, there's there's so many little ways we can do to improve our lives. Um, and for actors, you know, with not complaining, you know, some people, you have to be grateful to be on set. And people want to work with joyous, grateful people, just not even just in acting, but in life. Um, so I, I think it's funny. There are a lot of correlations between the advice I gave in both realms. Yeah, I think that especially right now with, you know, the cost of living and post-COVID and all these other dramas happening in the world, I think that there's so many people already, like, let's say if their anger level and stress level were to be like 10, most people are at like a seven. And so they're just on that absolute like point where one small thing, like somebody, you know, goes in front of them or you know, says something in the wrong way, like with a different tone, mm-hmm. but they don't like. It's like 
it could just set them up. And, you know, that's why I always meditate. Yeah. And that's why I always create these things called chapters. And what I do with a chapter is that, let's say, if uh, you know, the weather sequence has changed for a season, or if I've just had a breakup, or friends have moved away, or if I'm going on for a new you know, business venture, I create those points as a chapter so I don't hold any of that excess baggage. And I go through a, uh, a list of things that I can work on professionally and productively. And I also look at all the negative things that, I've, that I'm feeling and I break them down and I create a, a long list of both things. And then I just see the negative side of it. And then I'm just like, well, okay, I'm just going to look at this. And then which things, it's, it's kind of strange because some people say, oh, just take all of it away. But I look at the things that like a kind of foundationally there uh, how, uh that's not the best way to put it no, i think i understand I, I just shave off all of the negative drama but let's yes. say okay so what i mean by um by that is uh so if i'm doing a huge workout every day like two to four hour workouts Ooh. my body is always very like is always healing and so if i'm coming onto a new chapter Am I wanting to take the negativity of my body being in pain for this new chapter? Like, you know what I mean? So it's not toxicity. It's good for myself, but it's just a burdened thing, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Talk about original concepts. You're living up to your uh, title. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm always I'm always thinking all the time. That's one of the main reasons why I created this show, because I have so many thoughts and I have so many ideas and I just love being able to discuss their viewpoints and my viewpoints and you know it's just like i don't really enjoy getting into politics or anything like that because to me it's kind of like one guy holding a siren and then everyone just saying is that good or bad i prefer to have a free uh, free thinking mentality where it's just like you know i just look at my own perspectives and then try to embrace on that because it's like yeah. the more that you understand about the self the more that you can understand about reality 100 percent. wow from true tv world's dumbest how did your committee trace um prowess become a launch pad for your career and which comedic escapades do you hold close to your heart well alan it's, it's very funny because i always thought i was this like serious dramatic actress but as my career unfolded it became very clear that comedy was actually my strong suit and what i was far more successful with so i'm very grateful for world's dumbest it, i don't know if you've ever seen it if it was on down there but it's all stand-up and, and dubious celebrities, and I was neither of those, but they still gave me a chance there, and, you know, doing it for five years, and getting recognized from it, and just having a steady job in Hollywood, for one thing, is an accomplishment in itself, but uh, to me, the funniest part of that show is that a fan of it actually invested in my movie division. If you what? watch, if you watch the movie Division, it's about my relationship with a fan of Globe Silius. Like I based the movie on my life, and then it kind of came true. Well, except for the end, I'll I'll leave that unsaid. But it, it life is very very funny, Alan. <laughs> yeah, for sure, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The well, actually, that's about. I'm um, going my next one. Next question. The enigma. Okay. The enigma of being on My Chemical Romance's album cover. Unwrap the tale. How did this unex unexpected collaboration materialize, and what kaleidoscoped experience did it usher into the your world? Oh, what a another weird footnote in my life, Alan. 
enigmatic is like the perfect term for it. Uh, it was this little job when I first got to LA and it's been one of my most enduring because people are so passionate about this band. Are my chemical romance big down there? Yeah, yeah, I love them. Yeah. Um, I've even started doing appearances at MCR events, but the band just picked my headshot from a pile. And now I have people with tattoos of my face on their body. <laughs> oh, that must be so heavy, unique. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like Funko Pops, we have Funko Pops of us. And it's, oh, that's awesome. But like, it was such a little nothing job. I didn't know. Really, I'd, I'd heard of them. They weren't as big at the time. I guess they were, but I, it wasn't really what I was into. But like, it paid so little. I've literally made more, like maybe four or five times more signing autographs for that job than I did on the actual job. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And wait, at the time, you know, you would have just gotten the agent saying, hey, uh, you want to have this gig? And then you'd have been like, yeah, sure. What year yeah, was this? Yeah, that's what, what it was. Do you remember what year this was? It had to, it was like my first, it was my first job in LA. So oh, I think yes. I would say it was probably 2005. Oh and I got God. and I got a parking ticket picking up the check. <laughs> oh, serious? Oh, man. I made almost nothing. Oh really? Because <laughs> got the Pretty fuck. Much, yeah. oh, oh, well that explains it all. That's purely my chemical romance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it's fun the cachet it has with people. Like people are always very surprised to learn this little factoid about me. It. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you keep the peak? <laughs> nah, that's a. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you keep the parking fine because people can add that to the tattoo? Oh, I should have tried to sell it. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> no, I did. I did not. If I had known how things would uh, go, maybe I would have. Oh yeah, I, I bet you that people would have taken, like, had your headshot tattooed on their leg with the tats with like the t- parking fine right next to it. <laughs> In the intertwined realms of matrimony and creativity with Kurt Bonham, how did you balance the delicate dance of collaboration? How did personal moments influence the electric synergy of your creative partnership? Okay, I'm going to go off about my husband now because I am so lucky to have a partner like Kurt. Because um, we really, we really are partners. First of all, I don't write him very kindly in division. Plays, he's my husband, but he plays my fiance, and I do not make him sympathetic. He's kind of like the bad guy oh. for part of it, and he was totally there for it. He was integral to me, put it, pulling it off. Uh, definitely couldn't have done it without him. Uh, he also he cut the trailer. He did the poster art for the movie. He did the cover art for the Brink. He's made book trailers for the Brink. He's so good at everything, and he's amazing at synthesizing my ideas. Like I told him for you know. The brink i want this girl on the edge of a cliff and you just tell him that and all of a sudden it's like oh this is exactly what i pictured he's so talented and supportive it's, it's kind of hard to imagine where i'd be without him we're we're a really good team i'm very lucky i'm gonna yeah, make him listen to this I too so, you know. <laughs> i think you're lucky i'm trying to right now i'm trying to find somebody who's <laughs> who's pretty cool like that oh <laughs> uh, you know it happens when you least expect it like we had been on and off for like three years he says i broke up with him seven times oh really <laughs> and then i had to have like a makeout scene in that play i mentioned cookie and the monster and i wanted it to be kurt because i'm comfortable with him and we were really good friends at that point and then i started kissing him in that play and i didn't want to stop i don't know what happened all of a sudden it went from friendship till i was totally in love with him and i'm 
I'm grateful my heart opened to him in that way, finally. How long have you guys been together? Uh, 2015, solidly, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what, eight years? We've only been married for three. Yeah, like, I think, um, yeah, definitely a congratulations. Like, it's uh, <laughs> very lucky to find somebody. <laughs> Thank you, I I feel really lucky. Also, I'm bad at feeding myself, and he puts food in me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at, like, normal human stuff. Oh, serious? <laughs> yeah, no, I would eat peanut butter cups for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if it was left up to me. Oh, that's rough. That's intense. Like, um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's usually what I do when I have a date, because it's like, I, I love cooking, and I've studied, like, I'm, I'm not a, I'll never do it professionally. Because I, ne- I do not like the stress of like what chefs have to deal with because it really is yeah. intense. And, you know, I admire chefs so much for working in that atmosphere all day, every day. But uh, I was saying that cooking is one of my biggest hobbies and I love it. I have like everything in my kitchen set up fully. And so what I do is that if I'm having a date, I normally, I usually just ask if the girls wants to come over to my place and I can just make them anything they want on a professional level because oh, it's like, yeah, because I love getting organic ingredients and I really love like having, because it's just fun. You know, it's like you put music on and I, I love lighting. So I have like all these different laser lights and everything and it's just a total vibe. But, um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I prefer that type of stuff. I prefer, the, I love the intimacy of cooking. Well, yeah, keep fun. it up and you're going to have a lady in no time because. That's the way to my heart for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Division conquering the SR social socially relevant film festival 2023. What's the rush of emotions when your work takes the spotlight, and how did you envision it resonating with its captivating audience? Well, I have to say the the Q and A for Division after the festival was the highlight, one of the highlights of this whole experience. We hadn't had a Q&A, so I hadn't had any audience reactions. And plus, this had an audience that wasn't all people I knew. <laughs> so to hear what strangers felt of it and hear how it impacted them was incredibly validating. You know, it's hard to know how your work will be received, and especially when it's controversial as Division. But the, the crowd was right there with it. It was a very proud moment. Uh, you know, there were people emotional. It was beautiful. Relive the laughter from your true TV days. What quirky and unforgettable moments stand out from your five years stint on World's Dumbest? <laughs> uh, okay, once they put me in this big plastic bubble, <laughs> and I was terrified. Um, <laughs> and I never, I didn't think I was claustrophobic, but for some reason, like the limited air in the bubble really did a number on me, but the bit came out really funny, and they would do things like spray my hair straight up so it looked like I was upside down when I was right side <laughs> up. Was, we did such silly things, and all the people involved were really fun. It was it was a great job. They, they The producer talked about us all getting together again, and I haven't heard anything about that, but um, that would be very fun. I, I never thought about that. Like, if you're going into a big bubble, you have limited air. That would be that would freak me out more than anything. <laughs> that's, that's exactly oh, what it was. And yeah. I think they started they started to like deflate it while I was in it, so you felt oh, the loss oh, of air even more. Oh, oh no! Kevin, yeah, no, they might have been messing with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just wanted to torture you. <laughs> Unpack your time as a backstage 
columnist. How did you illuminate the path for budding uh, actors? And how has your storytelling perspectives evolved over the years? You know, honestly, I just told young actors things I wish people had told me and things that I knew I should do, but but didn't always do myself. Um, I think people think that acting is easy, but you definitely get much further if you put in the work as if it's a business. You know, it is. It's a show business. Mm, mm. You hear that all the time. But I think with my writing and storytelling, I've always just tried to tell the truth and hopefully make some jokes along the way. So that's something that helped because the backstage columnist was some of the earliest writing I did. My friend Janelle Riley, who's at Variety now, got gave me that gig and it really it stirred something in me that, oh, I, I can do this. My writing has value. Your memoir touches on the profound depression, drugs, institutionalization. How does your candid narrative aspire to be a beacon for others navigating similar stormy seas? Oh, you're going to make me cry, Alan. Um, I would really love for young people, young women especially, to read the brink and see the danger of making bad choices. But I, I also want people to know that there's hope. You don't have to live your life in misery and you don't have to let your past choices define you. I, I think it's an amazing world and literally anything is possible. Like so many people who have read it say they can't believe that I've gone on to succeed the way I have. Like they're kind of amazed I'm alive after what I go through in that book. Mm. Uh, so I'm here to say, you know, if I can do it, you can too. That That's what I hope the biggest takeaway is. So when you were at your lowest point would you have ever been able to think of where you are now well that's funny because i always thought i'd be an actor mm. i think i thought i would be a famous actor i don't uh, particularly aspire to that now uh, or I, I definitely always wanted to be a working actor so i remember being in that in that state you know using drugs and stealing and having one of my best friends say to me like jamie what are you gonna do I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an actor. And she's like, yeah, but what are you going to do? Like, no one believed in me, but I always believed in myself. And honestly, that's part of what helped me get out of that behavior, that I really wanted to strive for this thing I was passionate about. Yeah, that's one of the most intense conversations to ever have as a creative person, is when somebody who's very close to you says, what are you doing in life? Right. And it's just, you know, it's like from their side, you know, they can come from like, you know, I'm just trying to coach her and trying to help her out to kind of get like a bit of an idea. But on the other side, like with the creative side, it's like, can't you see that? Like, can't you see what I'm trying to do? <laughs> no, people, people don't get it. They think it, unless you're famous, you're a failure. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Like the amount of, it's very unique because it's like, I, I didn't uh, grow up too well off. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that my life was hard in any way. Uh, when I was a kid, but I've lost pretty much 98, well, in fact, nearly all of my friends, because I've always been on the path of becoming bigger and better. And, and yes. it's not and it's like, I'm not, competing, I'm not comparing myself to them. Like, they, you know, everyone's unique in their own way. But when they look at me, they just, they see their own goals diminishing. You know, it's like, when they see me, they just think my, like, their life isn't that great. Well, and, yeah, it just sucks. You know, it's just like, because, you know, I, I want the best for everyone around me. Yeah. And I want everyone to be able to be very supportive for each other. And just, you know, I want to be able to help guide people to their 
their best self. But a lot of the time, it's just, uh, it's not like, you know, if, if you hang, if people hang out with me, I'm not like, you got to do this or you got to do that. Like if people come to me and then say, hey, you know, I want to have some information about this or could you give me some, you know, help with that? I'll be happy to share. But most of the time nowadays, it's like they've either just, you know, put on like a hell of a lot of weight because they haven't cared about their diet and they feel really self-conscious when they stand next to me. And that's one of the weirdest things because I, I work out a lot. And I, I have this, I, I always go on intense diets. And so the weirdest thing is when people can't stand next to me because they feel like if they get wow. a photo taken with them, they're going to look terrible, you know? Wow. It's like, yeah. And it's just horrendous. It's just like, you know, and, and I, I don't really understand it. I don't understand why, if it really affects them that much, why don't they just try right. to do something about it? You know, it doesn't, I don't, I don't get it. But well, it's you've like, heard, yeah. I'm sorry. You've heard the crab in the bucket. Oh, analogy, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 For sure. And, and a lot of these people are crabs. <laughs> you know, like it sucks. Yeah. Like, no, I've had a little crabbage in my life. I, I hear you, my friend. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, oh, it's, it's just crazy to see. And then, well, the, the craziest thing is that they want me to tell them, like, a secret. You know, it's just like, uh, like let's say, you know, with, um, so uh, I'm 29 now. But, yeah. I was, but I started working out when I was um, 25. And before then, I was incredibly, incredibly thin. Like, I'm six foot six now. And it's like, I weighed like 83 kilos and I don't know how much that is in our pounds uh, for you guys, but it was, it's very skinny and yeah. I had abs, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I had like, you know, a lot of definition, but it's like, there wasn't, there was no fat or anything like that. Like it was just skin and bone. Yeah. And so I decided to go into this program and I was going to take it 100% seriously. And uh, so I started um, doing calisthenics, which is body weight workout. And I went on to this, um, it was like this raw vegan diet, but I could eat as much as I wanted to. And so I was, so I got all of my macros in and I started to work out for about um, two to four hours a day doing like pull-ups, dips, push-ups and all that type of stuff. Wow. And within three months, like I would wake up at 4 a.m. and then hit the um, calisthenics park even in winter. So it'd be like borderline raining and I'll be out there doing dips. You know, I was just addicted to, wow. you know, this idea of myself, you know, cause I was just fed up of looking this, you know, this type of way. And after a few months, I changed my physique from, you know, I was still like, I, like, I was still probably 86 kilos. I grew some muscle because it's like, you know, uh, early, this thing called early gains with like people who start the gym, they, you know, they uh -huh. very quickly at the beginning. But I didn't have any fat, so I just got like shredded, <laughs> and so so it's like my physique really like dialed in. And then when I saw my uh, you know my friends that I haven't seen for months, they'll be like, "How how did you do it?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm working out for two to four hours a day, and I'm on this really hardcore diet where I can't eat anything but like these seven ingredients." Wow! And it's all intense, and they're like. No, what is it really? And they just couldn't understand that it's just hard work and discipline. And right. then, I, and then what just happened was that you know they just didn't want the the truth, and they just would prefer to not hang out with me, you know. And oh. so I lost loads of friends at that time period. Uh, but then I just started hanging out with even fitter people, and then I started getting like this camaraderie 
with people who are in it, you know, who are right. like go-getters and, and, you know, so instead of saying, hey, I've achieved this, this and that, and then getting like a side eye of, do you think that you're better than me? I now got a high five and praise. And then I would ask them what they're working on. And then I'll be like, hell yeah, that is dope, yeah, cool. you know? And it's just like this progression of always getting better, always feeling good. And, you know, and it's just like, and then, you know, when you're, when you're on that mission, you can then talk to these people about your problems, you know, about, you know, about things that you're going through. And because their gauge isn't like a nine out of 10 stress, because they, you know, they're working out, they're eating healthy, they're doing really good things, they're able to manage their coping mechanisms a bit better. You're able to discuss topics about, you know, about all these tough subjects with with your life. And yeah, it's like, I just, I started to go through with this type of mentality. And then ever since then, I've just always wanted to achieve better for myself and for the people around me. That is interesting. I think you just hit on it. Like, why is saying something positive about your life ego necessarily? Some people will take it that way. But like, you should be able to talk about positive things in your life without people judging you negatively for that. Like if you're their friends, like you said, they should share it with you. congratulate you and support you and because people rise together mm. that's beautiful man i'm excited for you i'm i am coming down to visit i want to yeah, hang out with you yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've got a little belly now you'd be like no nope, gotta get rid of that <laughs> i think after two days you'd be like get me the hell out of here <laughs> get me out of here <laughs> oh man so um so what's in the future for you uh well, I know I mentioned the screenplay I'm really excited for. It's called Hardcore, and it's a true story of a guy I went to high school with. It's shocking. Um, I can't believe it hasn't been on, like, one of the murder shows or Netflix or something. Uh, and I'm most excited because it's the first thing that I've written that is not autobiographical. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure I could pull something off outside of myself, but it's actually the favorite thing I've written so far. And it has a very strong message about the mental health care system in America, which I'm very passionate about and infuriated by. So, I, you know, beyond that, I would love to be tackling some challenging roles that come my way while also developing my own work. And so, I don't know, I'm very excited for, for what's to come. Uh, you know, you do the work and hopefully people take notice. But I can't count on the latter, so I'll just keep doing the former. Yeah. Well, I think that you do a beautiful job, and I cannot wait to see what more creativity comes out from you. Thanks so much, Alan. You're so lovely. What a blast talking to you.